ya ahl alkitab qad ja'akum rasuluna yubayyinu lakum kathiran mimma kuntum tukhfuna min alkitab wa ya'fu an kathir qad ja'akum min allahi nurun wa kitabun mubin yahdi bihi allahu man ittaba'a ridwanahu subla salam wa yukhrijuhum min adh-dhulumati ila an-nuri bi'idhnihi wa yahdihim ila siratin mustaqim light and guidance has come to you from allah those who desire to earn the pleasure of allah are shown the way of peace and safety by the quran and such people are taken out by allah from darkness into light and led to the straight path alhamdulillah wa kafa wassalatu wassalamu ala ibadihi alladhina istafa amma ba'd we give all praises and thanks to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala salutations and blessings upon the honorable messenger muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam on his household companions and on all those who follow the path of righteousness until the last day <clears throat> this is your brother idris muhammad a research fellow with the african center for the advancement of islamic law and policy our podcast interface the iqra ummah is part of our lecture series in which we seek to educate sensitize and enlighten ourselves and our dear listeners on contemporary islamic thoughts in our previous lecture attempt of a sort was made to draw clear evidences to explain the universality and universal appeal of the quran in this episode inshallah an effort shall be made to underscore how the study and application of the quran will reform and change the condition of muslims from the state of backwardness and downtroddenness to the position of hope and glory after all it is allah rabbul izzati wal jalal who said in verse 9 of surah al-isra in hadha al-qur'an yahdi lillati hiya aqwam verily this quran guides to that which is best best in this dunya and best in the akhirah may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept this from us it is instructive for us to observe that ancient religions which came at a certain point of history to aid and guide mankind and whose contributions to human upliftment were established at one point eventually ran out of steam owing to the vicissitudes of time such religions are now relics of the past in other words they are as powerless as a paralyzed limb even the adherents of these religions have lost faith in them why because the modern man has a million questions that these religions cannot answer they simply lack the spirit of competition most of them have succumbed to the pressures of neoliberalism and cannot escape the trappings of materialism which they believe is the last stage in the evolution of human civilization fakuyama calls this the end of history in his 2016 book entitled the death of christian thought michael lemay expressed the view that the clever deception of humanism has completely taken over government media and public education and has infiltrated the visible church so strongly that many churches differ little 
in their beliefs and teachings from the humanist view of the world. Let me not take for granted that we all understand humanism. Humanism is a belief that human needs and values are more important than religious beliefs. In the case of atheism, they clearly and completely reject the idea of the existence of God. The humanist, however, recognizes the existence of God, but holds that God should take a back seat in terms of their affairs. The belief they hold the pen with which they write and achieve their destiny outside the intervention of God. A typical example of a humanist is the current president of the United States, Mr. Trump. He simply does not believe in depending on God for anything. He so glorifies his own intellect and that of his cabinet. That is what we call humanism in practice. In his 1979 article, speaking plainly to the West, Abul Hassan Ali Hassani and Nadwi Rahimahullah says, the state of the affairs of the world today should convince you and me that a society which is not based on faith is destined to an evil end. It is another matter that it manages to prolong its life a little more, but it is bound to come to a tragic end. History records instances of collapse of civilizations and empires. But one link that has often been missing in all these narratives is the underlying reason for these collapse. From our Islamic worldview, we have been told sufficiently that the collapse of civilizations has often been due to spiritual and moral corruption. Spiritual and moral uprightness is more dear to Allah than anything. Its corruption therefore signifies the beginning of the end of the civilization. In his book, Perished Nations, Harun Yahya, notwithstanding his personal contradictions, at least he made the point very clear that the underlying reasons for the collapse of civilizations has always been spiritual and moral decadence. History is replete with numerous such examples but the most familiar ones include, but not limited to, the people of Nuh and the Great Flood, the Ashab al Aika, the Qawm Tubba, the Ad, the Samut, the people of Saba and the Arim Flood, and Fir'aun, the greatest Zalim of all time, whose dramatic kingdom was brought to a dramatic end. Case closed. This position is backed by the glorious Quran in Surah Rum verse number 9 where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said awalam yasiru fil ard fayanzuru kayfa kana aqibatu alladhina kanu min qablihim kanu ashadda minhum quwwa wa athar al ard wa amaruha akthar mimma amaruha wa ja'athum rusuluhum bil bayyinat fama kana Allahu liyazlimahum walakin kanu anfusahum yazlimun have they not traveled through the earth and observed how was the end of those before them? They were greater than them in power and have plowed the earth and built it up more than they have built it up. And their messengers came to them with clear evidences. It is not Allah who wronged them, 
but they wronged their own souls. Having established the fact that previous civilizations were destroyed due to spiritual and moral bankruptcy, the question is now put again. How will the study and application of the Quran reform and change the condition of Muslims from the state of backwardness and downtroddenness to the position of hope and glory? Now, brothers and sisters, listen to this. Ya ahl al-kitab, qad ja'akum rasuluna yubayyinu lakum kathiran mimma kuntum tukhfuna min al-kitab wa ya'fu an kathir qad ja'akum min Allahi nurun wa kitabun mubin yahdi bihi Allahu man ittaba'a ridwanahu subula salam wa yukhrijuhum min al-dhulumati ila an-nuri bi'idhnihi wa yahdihim ila siratin mustaqim Light and guidance has come to you from Allah those who desire to earn the pleasure of Allah are shown the way of peace and safety by the Quran and such people are taken out by Allah from darkness into light and led to the straight path put differently the Quran has a refreshing uplifting and revitalizing effect on a person who believes in Allah and wants to become closer to him that is why in surah as-sad Verse 29 we read Kitabun anzalnahu ilayka mubarakun liyadabbaru ayatihi wa liyadhakkara ulul albab A book which we have sent down to you O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam full of blessings that they may ponder over its verses and that men of understanding be warned Similarly the records of the saints and doings of the holy prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam his life accounts is a fragrant legacy which is extremely beautiful as well as incandescent it makes the most shining page of the story of human advancement which can be recreated by reminding men of its of their true station that is when the quran allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنَةٌ لِمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُو اللَّهَ وَالْيَوْمَ الْآخِرَ You indeed have in the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam the best example to follow. The reading of his life account restores confidence in man and revives in him the awareness of his nobility. as Allah beautifully captured in surah al-Isra verse 70 wa laqad karamna bani adam wa hamalnahum fil barri wal bahr wa razaqnahum min at-tayyibat wa faddalnahum ala kathirin mimman khalaqna tafdila we have bestowed nobility on the children of adam and provided them with rights on the land and in the sea and provided them with a variety of good and made them much superior to many of those we have created in surah ar-ra'd verse 28 we read alladhina amanu wa tatma'innu qulubuhum bi dhikrillah ala bi dhikrillah tatma'innul qulub those who have believed and whose hearts are assured by the remembrance of allah unquestionably by the remembrance of allah hearts are assured The aforementioned verses have been demonstratively summarized by Abu Hassan Ali Hassani An-Nadwi 
in a speech he delivered in Berlin, where he, which was actually published in 1979 under the title Speaking Plainly to the West. If it pleases you, dear brothers and sisters, Abul Hassan Ali Hassani and Nadwi was one of the most intelligent and prolific Islamic writers from the Indian subcontinent in the last century. He has written a lot. It is said that any time he visited Mecca, the Arabs were often mesmerized by his grand eloquence of the Arabic language. In his work, he revealed that firstly, the Quran is safe and unpolluted. It is both living and life-giving, true and realistic, pure and free from all faults and weaknesses. Its followers know that they are responsible for the superintendence of the world. In spite of their lethargy, listlessness, and neglect of faith, the spark of the Quran is still hidden in their hearts. That is the charming aspect of Islamic belief and vitality of which the Western nations are totally devoid today. Adherents of Islam are characterized by religious flavor, acidity, zest, and enthusiasm which no other community can boast of. Anyone who has the occasion to work in any community of re for religious revival and reform will have no difficulty in confirming this. Secondly, the Quran vibrates with light and its radiance effuses human happiness. It provides a sound leadership to mankind and contains knowledge which is both profound and unbounded. For mind and intellect, it is an everlasting source of joy and hopefulness, a fountain which never dries up. It has brought a mighty revolution in the lives of men and can do it again. That is why Professor Isa Mishan rightly observed that at any point in time, the West keeps an eagle eye on Islam, knowing very well that with the slightest chance, Islam is capable of producing thousands and millions of historical figures. Thousands and millions of historical figures such as Omar ibn Abdul Aziz, Salahuddin al-Ayyubi, Sheikh Usman al-Danfodio, Sheikh Ahmed Didat, Muammar al-Gaddafi, Rahimahumullahu Jamia, and of course, the living legend, Dr. Zakir Abdul Karim Naik, Hafizahullah, who is currently a victim of the calculated destruction of the BJP Hindu Nationalist Government of India. The West is in no mood whatsoever to tolerate any such figures. Take for instance, Kenel Muhammad al-Gaddafi, who took Libya, which hitherto was covered largely by the desert, with little development stories to tell. It was ruled by a tyrant and a tribalistic leader, that is King Idris Sanusi, who was dining and whining with the French. Literally, the French created a miniature paradise for him and his family. The concerns and development needs of the people mattered very little to him until the timely intervention of Colonel Muammar al-Gaddafi and his comrades through the Al-Fatih revolution in 1969. After that revolution, the life of Libya has never been the same. He irrigated the desert land and made it vedant for agricultural purposes. This country literally became a paradise for those who live in it. 
Even Africans from different African countries sought greener pastures in Libya. He had an agenda for continental unity. In the year 2010, Libya, according to the World Development Report, was the most developed country in Africa, with levels of development better than some European countries. Just the following year, the Allied Forces of North Atlantic Treaty Organization, NATO, came after him, tooth, nail, and claw. It was an all-out attack. This lecture is actually not about Gaddafi, but there are two important points you must endeavor to learn. Number one, his development model called the Third Universal Theory, which was inspired partly by Islamic socialism and Arab nationalism, and then the principle of direct democracy. Gaddafi stated during the launch of this theory that true Islam, okay, true Islam is one that defends the weak even if they are not Muslims. You can disagree with his theory of development or even his person. That's okay. But one thing is clear, as clear as daylight. A Muslim leader in the 21st century was able to build a superstructure that responded to the development needs of his people and exceeded the development levels of some European countries. On the second note, you must also endeavor to learn that not until we Muslims overcome our differences and our petty squabbles and see the problems of our brothers as part of our own problems, take it from me, any development we achieve can equally be destroyed by the same forces that destroyed King Gaddafi. Enough with Gaddafi. This Quran which contains a wonderful portrait of divinely guided virtues which instigated and inspired men to bring down the bastions of injustice and corruption is present to this day in its pristine glory. It is the same Quran which inspired these great men to do these great things that we have just mentioned. In the case of Libya, the West said that Gaddafi's approach was wrong and contrary to their principles of development and that they want to give Libya a better status quo post-Gaddafi. I ask you a simple question, brothers and sisters. What is the state of Libya today? The failure of Libya is an open book for all to see. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Al-Fusilat, Surely, those who have rejected the message when it came to them, they are those who have adopted perversity and are not hidden from us. And surely, this Quran which means this Quran which inspired Gaddafi is an undefeatable book that cannot be approached by falsehood neither from its front nor from its back. A revelation from the all-wise, the ever-praised. Thirdly, another way to study and you know, another, another way the study and application of the Quran can elevate mankind to the position of hope and glory is that it instills the spirit of faith and courage. And faith cures the heart of greed, hypocrisy, boastfulness, ostentation, injustice, 
and corruption and empowers the heart of the leader and the nation with life and vitality and gives rise to belief in the hereafter which instills a sense of responsibility sincerity and selflessness these are some of the policy alternatives that islam presents to the world the absence of these values means any development achieved shall have painful side effects or better still will not be sustainable and as we are all aware sustainability is one of the overall goals of development fourthly the study and application of the islamic legal system the sharia can lead the world to the position of hope and glory the preserved sources of islamic sharia is present without any distortion or amendment learn this from me the sharia is the completest and the most perfect jurisprudential systems in the world it is the intersection of revelation and rationality in which one does not overtake the other it denotes an admirable blending of classical and contemporary thoughts and can serve the needs of all ages and times it possesses such wise and sound foundations that the edifice of a healthy society and civilization can always be built upon it looks at the inward and outward motives of man and society it is truly a penetrative system of law that can never be defeated on the strength of these arguments if the world accepts the islamic legal system and take it for what it is injustice corruption and other evil forces that undermine sustainability or sustainable development will be chased away dear brothers and sisters at the beginning of my presentation i sought to ascertain how the study and application of the quran can reform and change the state of the muslim from the condition of backwardness and downtroddenness to the position of hope and glory references were made to the works of three important authors abul hassan ali hassani and nadwi who retorted that a society which is not built upon faith is destined to an evil end it is another matter that it manages to prolong its life a little more but it is bound to come to a tragic end harun yahya irrespective of the flaws in his aqidah equally shares in this view as contained in his book perished nation perished nations michael lemay who in his work the death of christian thought intimated that christianity has been infiltrated by the deceptions of humanist worldviews i also stressed how ancient religions such as taoism buddhism shintoism tengrism ashurism vedism mithraism atheism etc etc are unable to answer the numerous questions of the modern man even including modern day christianity and judaism i provided detailed evidences from the quran to support my stance that a nation which is not built upon faith in the light of allah's guidance will come to a miserable end for instance i pointed the examples of the art the samud firaun etc with the hope of settling the debate as to whether or not the quran can liberate the muslim and mankind from the condition of backwardness and downtroddenness to the position of hope and glory brothers and sisters the discussion does not end with this humble work of ours 
we must study more and more to bring out the issues and redirect contemporary discourse and to integrate knowledge of various disciplines with Islam with the hope of expanding the frontiers of the religion to deal with mankind's numerous problems. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu once said, The Quran has reasons for and grounds behind any position it takes. Some of the reasons according to him are clearly stated in the primary text, while others are only alluded to. The goal of Islamic scholarship, therefore, must be to broaden the frontiers of the Sharia, to provide remedies for people's problems. Otherwise, people may be compelled to look outside the law of Allah for solution to their problems. In Surah An-Nur, verse number 55, Allah Azza wa Jal said, وَعَدَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مِنْكُمْ وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَيَسْتَخْلِفَنَّهُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ كَمَا اسْتَخْلَفَ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ وَلَيُمَكِّنَنَّ لَهُمْ دِينَهُمُ الَّذِي ارْتَضَى لَهُمْ وَلَيُبَدِّلَنَّهُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ خَوْفِهِمْ أَمْنًا يَعْبُدُونَنِي لَا يُشْرِكُونَ بِي شَيْئًا وَمَنْ كَفَرَ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ فَأُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْفَاسِقُونَ Allah has promised those who have believed amongst you and done righteous deeds that he will surely grant them succession to authority upon the earth just as he has granted to those before them and that he will surely establish for them therein their religion which he has preferred for them and that he will surely substitute for them after their fear security for they worship me not associating anything with me but whoever disbelieves after that then those are definitely disobedient.